I'm Jeff Bonfour from KTBS3, KTBS Podcasting, and Committee of 100 present Good to Know Shreveport Bossier, a podcast series showcasing the good things happening in our area. Go now and listen to our discussion. You you talked about your daughter. You mentioned that she was dyslexic, and that's the you started a school in Baton Rouge called, I believe, the Key Academy, and you're getting ready to, uh, I guess, launch another such school in Caddo Parish. Is that correct? Yeah, so Louisiana Key Academy, this is our 10th year in Baton Rouge. It's just for students with dyslexia. Uh, We have a second school that started this August in St. Tammany in Covington, Louisiana. And the plan is to open the third school next August in Caddo to serve Caddo and the surrounding parishes. That's great. Do Do you have a particular site picked out for that school at this point? Well, we have been working with the local school district there. There is a school that is uh, vacant right now on Arthur Circle. We have visited the school. In fact, I'm going to visit it again this week. Um, it's it's early in the negotiations, but it's a lovely school, a lovely site. So we're optimistic that that will work out. And in doing a little bit of the reading, I, I, I guess I was surprised that, uh, and I think it was a, a quote from you that said as many as one in five kids in the United States could be affected with dyslexia. I, that that kind of shocked me. I had no idea. Right. Dyslexia is very common. Now, just like most medical entities, you know, it can be mild, it could be moderate, or it could be severe. And uh, it happens to be very common. And if it's moderate to severe, uh, we know that there are incredible consequences. And we see this in the data, nationwide data, when 50% of blacks and Hispanics read below basic and 30% of whites read below basic. So it's, it's really, once you start thinking about it and looking at the numbers, it's, it's, uh, something that's unfortunately below the radar, but valid. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, when uh, you know, I hear about. It seems like I hear about dex- dyslexia more and more often. It seems to be. I don't know if it's more common, but it's it's more diagnosed. Can you tell us a little bit more about what di- what is dyslexia? I always just thought, well, they get their eyes and their e's backwards, or they get some letters backwards. What is it even about? So, can you kind of explain the seriousness and the the, the challenges with dyslexia? Sure. And thank you for the question, because people ask, say that a lot. And I think that's part of the problem. I don't think it's more common now. I do think because of social media, parents are talking more about it. So basically, it is an unexpected difficulty in reading. And it's unexpected because these kids have average to above average IQs. And the problem with the reading is what we call the phonological processing, which is just a long word. But it basically is when you take the word cat and it's cat, it has three sounds. And what we have to do as humans is we have to match the spoken word, which we pick up pretty naturally, to the written word. And that's where the dyslexics have problems. And it's seen again in the problems with reading, writing, and even speaking, and certainly spelling. Once they're identified, uh, which ideally would be at the end of kindergarten, then it's just giving them the specific instruction. And again, their average above average IQ, they're contributing members of society if we can identify them and give them uh, 
what they need to learn how to read and write. If not, they're they're smart enough to be in the class. They're frustrated. Um, a lot of them will drop out in middle school or high school, and we know there's an increased rate of incarceration. But again, it's not because they're um, uh, have have a bad bent or that they're not yeah. smart. It's just because they're not being identified and they're frustrated. And and that's uh, I understand that you need to uh, to get to these kids early. You need to get to them by first grade. If you wait to fifth grade, that's too late, right? Well, it's not too late, but unfortunately, in Baton Rouge, we've been there for nine years. Our smallest class is still the first grade. Um, we have a huge influx of kids in third, fourth, and fifth, and we take those children. Uh, it makes it much more difficult, and their self-esteem has been really battered for several years. So it is not ideal um, they can still be successful, but you've got a much steeper hill. I think one of the biggest challenges, as I think about it now, is, is, is from the little that I understand about it, the challenges in reading can be so embarrassing for these kids. So if we think about what's the necessity of, of having an opportunity to identify these kids, now with the prevalence of bull bullying becoming so much more prevalent and so much more vicious, yeah. these kids, if they're in school, and they, they, they begin to get left behind, they can't read, they're embarrassed, they're frustrated with school, they don't know why, from what I understand, they begin to get bullied, so it becomes more of a compounding effect to, uh, to drive them out of school and to drive them into a situation that can be avoided if we can uh, diagnose this and help them, they can actually be excellent overachievers. There's so many famous people, Einstein, Steve Jobs, these people that are the, you know, the most brilliant people in our history were dyslexic somehow they overcame it, but that's, I would imagine that's the exception, not the norm. Well, I do tell people it's a workforce issue because, again, there, obviously you've got people like Einstein who didn't really speak till he was five or six and was always a poor reader, but obviously Einstein's the exception for any group. <laughs> but, it, you know, I think that what we're trying to focus on is helping the teachers um, understand what dyslexia is. So instead of saying, you know, John, Mary, whatever your name is, read out loud, and then mm. they're incredibly embarrassed because they get mm. anxious as well, um, that they know something about dyslexia and they can help toward that identification process. And then the school is really to help kids with moderate to severe dyslexia as well as the community so they can see a best practice model. Talk to me about, uh, talk to us about the uh, testing process. Uh, my understanding is that is really an expensive uh, thing to go through. And I guess that's why a lot of uh, kids go undiagnosed. Right, well, so if you go to a psychologist, it depends where you live, but it can cost anywhere from $1,500 to $10,000. California, sorry, my California again, it's $10,000. Yeah. Here in Louisiana, I think it's more 1500 to 2000 but that's out of the ballpark of most parents. Right. The What our school does is we, for those that appear to most likely be dyslexic and they want to come to our school, we do that testing for free. We um, worked recently wow, with amazing. Webster Parish. 
there's a screener that we recommend. They use that screener in Webster Parish. They screened their kids, their kindergarten, first and second graders. But then they're like, well, we don't really know how to test. So a group of six of us went up there for three days and we tested all of their students that were at risk for dyslexia. So um, it's possible for us to do this for districts, but what we really want to do is teach them how to do it themselves. Sure. And I, I want to go back to uh, what you mentioned, the teachers and the teaching aspect of it. How, uh, how hard is it for a teacher just to get a, a handle on this and uh, how they have to uh, work differently <clears throat> with the dyslexia, uh, dyslexic kids? Yeah, so we passed a bill in the legislature this past year um, which mandates in 2024 that the universities and colleges, the public universities and colleges, will have to start, they teach to the students that are in the field of education, they take nine hours of reading. Three of those hours will be about dyslexia. So it's, it's gonna take a little bit of time, but that's a huge first start. So we're very excited about that. Then if a teacher, once they graduate from college, they're interested in becoming what we call an academic language therapist or a practitioner, they can be trained for an additional year to two years. And that um, th there's a lot of these people in Texas. There uh, is a group in Mississippi. We have been doing this now in Louisiana for the last uh, five years. We're behind, but we're catching up. So that is the way it, it's to give the teachers in the classroom through their university training a basic, broad understanding of what dyslexia is so they can identify these children because they are, it is so common. And then for those that want to really teach these kids an extra year to two years to become uh, the experts. So, Dr. Casty, why is it more advantageous to create a whole school than to go into the existing schools and create programs within those schools? Well, the short answer and the easy answer is uh, change is hard. And the, the mm -hmm. larger the institution, the harder change is. So the charter school route was the fastest and easiest which it hasn't been either fast, <laughs> either fast nor easy to, to help people. Because when I started talking to people, they're like, look, you, you have to show this to people. They're not going to believe you. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, I thought, oh, I can just, I can show you this article from the Journal of Pediatrics and everything's going to work out. Well, that's just not the way it is. So, so I was strongly encouraged to start the school. And again, Think of it as, again, a best practice place, but it's also a place where uh, teachers can come and train. It is as a training ground. Right. And the, the, the other thing is because there are so many, we take it to scale. That helps with the economics of it because that's the other concern I think that the districts have is how expensive is this going to be? So my answer would be, well, look at the cost long-term. The state has to look at the cost long-term, right? If they're not in our workforce yeah. and if they're incarcerated. But second, if mm. you look at schools like ours where we take it to scale, that gives 
that gives you a way to uh, maximize resources, maximize resources without breaking the budget. That said, we are working with several different parishes, and we'll work with the parishes wherever they are. Um, but what I find is the more that we work with uh, teachers, especially, and those that are in the classrooms, they want more because, I mean, most teachers want to help their kids. They right. just aren't equipped for these children with dyslexia. So I think, I hope this is the start of a, a long process that really helps all these children because the reality is if you have money, you're going to have your child tutored after school or you're going to send your child to a private school specific for these uh for dyslexia and and, and they're going to be successful um and and my vision is that really we want all these kids to be successful and so the lka model is is a way to get to that well i mean i think this is great uh and you mentioned the money and money is the you know the root of everything i guess and uh you and and your husband were as, both as doctors were obviously in a position to where you could help your daughter out <clears throat> and um, most parents just simply aren't there are they right so we we're you know kate our daughter didn't go to the school she would have and it would have saved us a lot of money uh, but it wasn't available and i just for me it was so hard and uh, again, the doctors I work with at Yale, uh, Yale Center for Dyslexia and Creativity, the Shaywitzes, they were able to help me understand it from a medical perspective and then in the classroom. And it was because of that that Kate, she's now at the, at, in the university studying and will have a great life. And mm. I, I saw the trajectory that she could have gone and I'm thankful for the trajectory she's on. And I just feel like that's what most parents want for their kids. Yeah, no doubt about that. I, I guess I am uh, was surprised to hear you say that uh, this these, these reading problems at such an early age lead to things like incarceration at a later age. That's right. kind of amazing. Yeah, we published a study in the uh, Journal of Corrections this past fall we went to Hunt Prison here in Baton Rouge and we screened and tested. And um, it was interesting talking to the inmates. I thought that most of them would have dropped out in high school. A lot actually dropped out in middle school. And it, when you talk to them, they will tell you that it was pretty apparent, you know, either their parents or they understood in first and second grade that there was a problem. Because again, this is when the skills of reading are taking off. They're being in, you know, the the oral language skills and the alphabetic principle. That's that's pre-K and kindergarten, and then in uh, first and second grade, you're really solidifying those skills. And these kids are bright, so they're like, I am getting left behind, and it is year after year if you do that you're like well school is not really a place for me hmm. and um they're 
they're not happy and uh, they feel like a failure. So I think that leads to a lot of uh, foul play on the streets and dropout in the, of the schools. Have you had any uh, obstacles or I guess tell us about the obstacles that you've had in trying to get together uh, a school for uh, Caddo Parish? Well, the Caddo community has been wonderful. We've had a lot of people that have come down to the school that ha are supporting us in Caddo Parish and um, including Superintendent Gorey has been very helpful in in Caddo. So, um, I mean, it couldn't have been better. It couldn't have been better. We got a long way to go. I think the, our biggest thing is to help people understand what dyslexia is. We'll try to be out in the community doing some screening for free. Um, trying to help people understand what it is. We've got to recruit teachers. We've got to start training teachers. Um, but I'm quite, I, I, I cannot tell you how nice and welcoming Caddo has been. So we're actually so pleased to be coming. That's great. That is exciting. So what, what would a parent do if they suspect if their child has some learning difficulties? What, what can they do to, if they don't have $10,000 or $1,500, is there any steps they can take or any, any resources to help determine whether their children are dyslexic? Yeah, so the, the our website is Louisiana Key Academy. This book, Overcoming Dyslexia, this is by uh, Dr. Sally Shaywitz, who I talked about. This is a it is a great resource, and their web, website is Yale for um, Yale Center for Dyslexia and Creativity. And we have a chapter in her book. They really believe our model. Uh, school is the model, but her book gives parents great advice on what to do. And I strongly recommend that parents buy that book. You might not understand it all. Some of mm -hmm. it might be too complicated, uh, the science part, but there's a lot that is very understandable that will help you and your child so that you um, can assure your child that you're assured that your child has incredible potential, that it's a process. It, it can be very hard, especially if the child has moderate to severe dyslexia. But um, I, I, my, ch my child, our child has severe dyslexia. And like I said, she is in college. Mm -hmm. And so it's getting that knowledge, uh, partnering with others, and just being persistent. What was that like for your daughter early on and for, for you and your husband early on when like our daughter just isn't getting school? Did you, did you figure it out earlier or were you just worried about her? What was that like for her in school? So as a family. Yeah, there were signs and I think this is why I'm such an advocate. Um, she, she, one of the signs that she, she spoke later at two, she was really behind in her oral language. She went to the speech therapist. I was told that you couldn't identify dyslexia to the third grade. And it, it sounded so awful. I was like, I don't know if I want to anyway. Mm. Um, she had a hard time uh, remembering the alphabet. Like they might know the alphabet one day. And it's not just saying the alphabet, it's also matching the sounds to the a is ah, B is B. And so 
it, it was very discouraging because you're like, and, and my friends would say, well, she's smart. We can tell she's smart. It'll come. It'll come. Well, it didn't come. And it, it's, it gives the child and the parents incredible anxiety. Mm. And then it's upon the parents to really help the child as much as possible if they're not getting it in the schools. And so, and again, they're frustrated and their frustration, depending on their gender and their personality, they may, uh, girls tend to be quieter about it. Although my, our daughter kicked the principal in I think the first grade. Um, Maybe I was dyslexic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The boys can act up, right? They can be the comedians. You, you hear that a lot, or they can get into trouble. And so, um, Again, that's why that early identification is so important and, and the assurance to the parents and to the child that, you know, you, you may fail a few tests. You, you may have to work. You are going to have to work harder, but this is what your future looks like. And, and just stay the path and then have that support that you need. Well, speaking of support, uh, talk to us a little bit about the support you get from your husband. Dr. Senator Bill Cassidy. Yeah, my husband's been great. He has um, introduced and been an advocate for dyslexia in the on the federal scene for uh, many years. There is a bill that um, he has introduced. It has some bipartisan support. It still has a long way to go, but it would it would. Right now, this is all sort of education wonky stuff, but dyslexia is under what's called SLD in the special ed legislation, specific learning disorder, which is a little of an oxymoron because it's not specific. But but the hope is that we can pull dyslexia out so it's its own category so that it encourages people to be identified. There's a lot of uh, a reticence among people to be identified sometimes uh, because they're af afraid that, oh, people won't think I'm smart. And that's why it's so important for people to understand that reading has nothing to do with intelligence. And so dyslexics are smart. So if we can take that shame away, get, get the students identified so they can be successful. And also that just because you're poor that a lot of kids that are in poverty the teachers are like well they can't read because they're from a poor family don't they don't have vocabulary yeah. but but that's not true they may have a limited vocabulary which you can teach but they can learn to read and so there's a lot of dyslexics from poor families so we don't want people saying oh you're from a poor family. That's why you can't read in the story. Well, that brings so, up an interesting point to me is what, what is the, um, how, how do people get into the charter school? How, what, what area will you draw from and, and you know, who, who all is eligible to go to the school? So we're going to start small in first through fourth grade. Uh, the draw is basically anybody that wants to drive to us, which is obviously <clears throat> will be in Caddo, but that could be DeSoto. <clears throat> could be Bossier, it could be Webster Parish, any of the areas where, and believe me, there will be moms that drive quite a way to get to the school. Mm -hmm. And um, we'll start in first through fourth, and then we'll add a grade a year 
till we're first through eighth grade, and then we'll um, assess from from there. Okay. Uh, how about the kids themselves? How do they take to this? Are they, you said you used the word reticent. Are they reticent to want to get involved in this or do they recognize this as something that's going to be very helpful? Well, I think that, so the kids that come to our school, the, the parents all cry at the IEP meetings because, you know, they've either failed a grade or failed a subject or they're just struggling mightily. And for the kids, I'm sure in the beginning, they're like, okay, here we go again. But the stories that we're told is the kids no longer come home with a stomach ache. They're mm. no longer mm. calling from school like, I, I need to come home, I don't feel well. They're not spending three hours trying to do homework at night and they're not crying on the way to school in the morning. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think yeah, just, the, just to bring the back parent, the seriousness. You go ahead. The, go ahead. Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. The the parents are our biggest referral, which mm. to me is a positive, a very positive sign about the school. And when do you think you'll be up and operating in uh, Caddo? August 2023. Oh, that's right. Yeah, oh, you nice. said that before. I'm sorry. Come I, on. Jim. I couldn't remember. <laughs> I'm getting old, man. <laughs> August of 2023. I'm sure there's a thousand details to be worked out between now and then. Yes, yes. We go to Bessie for final approval October 11th. And uh, assuming that all that goes well, which I, I think it should, then we'll, uh, we'll be uh, up there with the presence and um, really trying to get everything ready for that August um, open date. Is the, uh, is the word getting out that this is going on already? Are people contacting you or are they trying to figure out how to get their uh, kids into the program? We have had a little contact, not as much as I'd like, but I do think uh, we're, we're talking about social media now, uh, and I do think that will happen. We're just sort of, we, I don't want to jump the gun too much. Like I said, we go to Bessie, but now we're at the month's notice. So we plan to be, as soon as we get that approval, October 11th, to then really you know, make a big push to let parents know. Well, wait till this podcast comes out. You're going to have to <laughs> hire some extra phone operators. <laughs> no, but that, we really do want to be as good. much support as we can be because this is very interesting and exciting, I think, for our area to have this. Well, it is, and I think it's, uh, wow, it's it's such so needed. I mean, I, yeah. as I said when we began this, uh, I just had no idea this was so prevalent. Right, right. And again, you, you have some of those academic language therapists up in the Shreveport area. So there are, and you have them in Texas. So you're going to have some parents that know about that. Uh, mm -hmm. The schools know about it. But I think this just is going to give um, more resources, more awareness, and, and hopefully a huge amount of benefits to a lot of kids. Just curious, will the proximity of the LSU Medical School help you out in any way? Are there resources there that can help your school? Uh, I, yes, we've met with LSU Shreveport. We met with the uh, Education Department, and they're uh, very excited, and I think we will have a partnership with them. In fact, um, we, one of them wrote a letter for us for the Bessie Board. Uh, I haven't really talked to the medical school yet, but I'm hoping so. We have pediatricians in Baton Rouge that rotate through the school. We partner with different hospitals as well um, because 
uh, nurses. We have nurses, and it's just it's a it's a community like any school. It's a community place. So um, we're, we're um, enthusiastic and looking for partners. Well, listen, uh, with what you're doing with this school and uh, being married to a United States senator, you have you have a pretty full life, don't you? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. All right. Listen, yeah. we do appreciate you being with us. Our time's about up here today. Uh, but if anybody wants to get in contact with you, tell us again about your website and how they can reach you. Probably the best thing to do is just to Google Louisiana Key Academy. And the website, on the website, you'll find a way to uh, either email or you can call and you can, you can call and they can get um, you to the right person or they can get you in touch with me. That's, that's quite easy. So Louisiana Key Academy. And we're um, looking forward to Caddo and the Caddo area, Shreveport. And um, I, I think it's going to be a win-win for everybody. So thank you all so much. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for being here. We do appreciate it. Dr. Laura Cassidy, our special guest today on uh, Good to Know Shreveport Bossier, getting ready to open a charter school for dyslexic children uh, right around here. And that's, uh, that's going to be a great addition to this community. Thank you, Dr. Cassidy. Thank y'all. All righty. And thank you for joining us for this podcast of Good to Know Shreveport Bossier, brought to you by the Committee of 100 and KTBS-TV. Remember, tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. We'll have new content every other Wednesday morning. And for more information, you can check us out at goodtoknowsb.com. Have a great day and continue to make Shreveport Bossier the best it can be.